Welcome back to What Is It About the Weather? Where weather is always our theme, but the weather, well, that's not really going to be our topic now, is it? So if you've tuned in, looking for a weather forecast, thinking you're going to get your daily briefing, what's going to happen where you are, 24 hours, 48 hours, 72, 9 months, whatever it might be, well, I would tell you that just maybe, just maybe, you probably need to be looking elsewhere. This week, though, we are going to talk about why are meteorologists so complicated. Now, you could argue that that intro was too complicated. Are meteorologists too complicated? We'll get into that in a bit. But since we last talked, I hope you've had an interesting and enjoyable and intertwined weather week. I know, you know, this week's big, big week for meteorologists, Groundhog Day here in the U.S., I know other places around the world, this also coincides February 2nd with Candlemas Day. And even in other regions, you get kind of a tie-in to weather sometimes. Not not in all cases, but you know, it's kind of timing-wise, I guess we're looking at, have we reached the peak of winter? And, you know, there's all this prognostication. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the interesting tidbit. I think the other thing that hit me this week is there's been a lot of chatter, you know, in the last I don't know, six to nine months about fake news. And I know this is not by any means a phenomena that's only here in the U.S. But really what hit me is an exchange that I had around the use of fake news and weather. Now, I know some people are going to argue weather forecast, fake news, because it wasn't exactly what I forecasted. But, you know, I, I guess in my mind, fake news really is telling a story that didn't really happen, and or using information to try to convey a story that may have happened, but doing it with just inaccurate information. Yeah, again, the, we could we could argue for a long time, I guess, on the nuances. But what what happens sometimes, particularly in weather things, and, and again, this is really born out of the age of social media, is you will find people that will post a weather picture and claim that it's related to a certain event. Now, Sometimes it's innocent enough. I mean, I, I've seen people post on my Twitter feed that this was a picture I took this morning at wherever, wherever at this time. And I happen to know that there's no way in the world the weather was like that at the time. And, and I think they're just trying to share a picture. We're happy to share it that day. And so, you know, they may have fibbed a little bit about when the actual picture was taken. Now, in other cases... You know, again, I think a lot of it is innocent stuff like this. In other cases, you've got situations where you know people want to be the first to report something. So let's say there's thunderstorms in the area and they want to get a lightning picture out before everybody else gets their lightning picture out. And it's from a storm who knows when. For the most part, none of that really hurts anybody or does anything. I mean, you know, people are sharing pictures as long as they're hopefully not making money on it or not exaggerating the events at hand in some way, shape, or form. I think that's a good thing. But the the episode that I came across was a bit interesting in that an elected official was trying to emphasize the amount of snow. So I, you know, you've heard me mention in past few episodes that we had these events on the West Coast of California and in the U.S. a few weeks ago over the past month, let's say, that led to some pretty high precipitation amounts, not just rain, but in the higher elevations, some pretty serious snow. And this person posted a picture of how bad the snow was. Well, the picture was at least five years old, at least. It had been on weather.com, you know, it, 
over five years ago or, you know, around five years ago at the, at the time that it happened. Now, I understand they were trying to convey something. And, and the funny thing was is the amount of snow may have actually exceeded what was shown in the picture. But all these things, we don't take the time to think about the ramifications of what we're doing. And this is in general, even even in the cases where it's innocent, because it's like little white lies, right? That one little white lie leads to another little white lie. This whole phenomenon, I think if we all took a little more time and slowed down in everything that we do and made sure that we shared information that had a level of accuracy, and this is always the challenge is how do you know? So I don't know. I don't know if the answer is we need to have timestamps on on every picture or whatever it is. But I get frustrated when 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 I see those sort of things. I understood the goal with sharing the picture. I just know that they could have, if they had taken the time, gotten a picture that was something that really happened in that day and time. But I digress. Another complicated thing. Let let's dive into our main story. So the question was posed to me, and I'm not going to name who asked me. Uh, why are meteorologists so complicated? Now, of course, in my mind, that's kind of a complicated question. So I went in and started digging in a little bit to try to understand the basis of the question. What what were they really implying? Because like I said, I can think of a lot of ways, and we're going to get into some of that about meteorologists being complicated. Really, the premise was, why can't you just give me a forecast? You know, why can't it just be simple? Why can't you tell me if it's going to rain? Why can't you tell me if it's going to be a certain temperature? Why can't you give me, and this is really what it boiled down to at the, at the end, was why can't you give me a personal forecast that's exactly what I need? And, and that's, as you can imagine, even opened up more of this complication issue. But I think the, the person was really looking for, hey, for the next few days, I know it's going to be this, this, and this, and there's no caveats put around it, right? That's going to be simple. And there are times, quite frankly, that it can be that way. So let's let's kind of dissect this thing and, and realize that we do have a few different things going on here. First off, the audience is complicated, right? Anybody receiving a forecast, and I don't care whether it's a broadcast meteorologist or an industry-specific meteorologist that's giving a forecast, Usually they have people with different needs for that forecast, objectives and what they're going to do with the data that they're receiving for that forecast. Yes, sometimes it might be as simple as I need to know whether to carry an umbrella or to put a coat on. But when you think about it, think about it in context of, I don't know, if you live in a place where you have air conditioning or some other sort of way to regulate temperature in your home and you know that if it gets to a certain threshold that you may turn that on, might also be heat as well. But the level at which it prompts you to do it versus maybe even somebody that lives right next door to you could be two different things. So even those little nuances make it complicated because the person receiving it, despite the fact that the forecast is most likely being issued for multiple people with, again, multiple objectives, multiple needs to satisfy with that information, is absorbing it as if it's a personal forecast. So different audiences, different needs. So, you know, they're they're complicated as an individual, even different thresholds of importance. So all these things mean, first, the audience is complicated. I know it seems pretty straightforward, right? Give me a number, 
Forgive me if it's going to rain or not, whatever it might be. should be straightforward. Then we get into the topic itself. And as you guys have heard me ramble on again and again in the past, meteorology is complicated. Yes, we've gone to great lengths to simplify things. And, and this kind of hit me you know, in the class that I'm involved with this semester that a lot of what we do in forecasting weather is we make a lot of assumptions and try to simplify things to get to quicker answers. And, and you know, much of that has been born out of how much computer processing can you do in a timely manner to get to an end game. So we use simplified equations or you know, governing calculations that get us to a forecast in a timely manner. Now that can be great in addressing the need of being timely, and being relatively accurate, but all those simplifications have weaknesses. And, of course, the interesting part of those weaknesses is they tend to become not so hidden or a bit more obvious in the more complex weather environments, which are the ones that when people need a better forecast. So, you know, again, you, you get in this circle of, you know, the physics the thermodynamics, whatever it might be, the fluid dynamics, all these things that are coming into play in meteorology are very complex. And so trying to represent them and give those to you as a consumer of a weather forecast is also complicated. Then you can even get into the history is complicated. So let's say back in the day, let's say, I don't know, 100 years ago, people who actually took a weather forecast and did something meaningful with it were a very select few individuals. I'm not saying that, you know, whatever their newspaper, whatever, didn't throw a, a weather forecast out there. But weather forecasting in that day and the stage it was at was very focused on trying to solve some big questions in very specific situations. And, and you know, you can even think about that. I've I did the podcast episode where we talked about forecasting for D-Day around World War II. Now, people were issuing forecasts at that point in time, but we were also at an evolution in the forecasting process where you know a lot of people would just carry an umbrella if they tended to be in a rainy area or if they were in an area where after sunset it tended to cool most nights, they would carry a sweater or a coat. But we've moved to this day and age, right, where people don't want to have to carry the umbrella or want to be able to dress precisely for a narrow range of temperatures. So the way we issued forecast and the approach and the styles were all developed out of a different time. And as I went through school and you know was trained in meteorology, a lot of that was born out of a military background. And the types of forecasts that were needed for that military influence were certainly very different than what's needed for a consumer today. So I had teachers that had that sort of military background. I had other teachers that had more of an academic focus, which is more on research, which might be about solving problems, but maybe not so much about getting a forecast out to individuals. So I, I was fortunate enough to have this broad swath of, of types conveying that information to me, and I could learn to absorb that. But as you can imagine, because the way we communicate doesn't always change overnight, some of these 
complicated methods, and you could argue you can go to the National Weather Service. And I'm going to do a podcast on this a, a little a little bit deeper at some point when when we get into kind of severe weather season about all the different alerts. So the National Weather Service website here in the U.S. has all these colors, all these different types of things that it's warning you for. And I know other countries, like in the U.K., they've gone to a more simplified system, and it's something that the U.S. will probably do at some point. But it speaks to, you know, are you in on a boat? Are you on land? All these things that come into play and, and the way we communicated this weather information, you know, very specialized groups did it for, for different people and the terminology and the phrases and the methodology for even conveying that. It even gets on to these, back in the day, the old onboard faxes that these ships would receive, little weather maps so that they could understand what was going on. But that was very computationally and cost-intensive, even that little one-page piece of information. So it had to be conveyed in a certain way that maybe someone trying to make a decision about what to wear walking out the door on land needs it to be communicated a different way. So we've just got this history of trying to deal with the different audiences that maybe hasn't come together and gelled as much as it could. And quite frankly, the objective of the meteorologist is also complicated, right? First and foremost, every meteorologist wants to get their forecast right. And to get it right, as I've talked about before, and you've heard me mention before, people don't want probabilities or uncertainty or what it might do. They want to hear exactly what it's going to do, but it's just not going to be that way. And in trying to get a forecast out that's right and as accurate as possible, communicating the complexity in that, yeah, can make it seem complicated. But I'll get back to the same premise. It is complicated. It is complicated. The other part of this that I I think people forget about and it's something that is happening more and more as we get into kind of this 24-hour cycle of always having information that the forecast is always evolving right and while we get new information to update that forecast new model runs new data points whatever it might be sometimes that can have a very trivial impact and most often it does so what the forecast is for three days from now, when it, when we get to the next day and it's only two days, it may be tweaked a little bit, but quite often it's very similar. However, we've got this complexity that when the changes do happen, they're usually for big impact type changes, right? We've gone from, let's say here in Atlanta, we've gone from a, a winter rain to all of a sudden the potential for an ice storm. And those that drastic change does get caught in people's minds and those high-impact events are the ones that people remember. So there becomes this need to get those even more accurate. So we're back into this getting it right. We're getting new information all the time, trying to share it. But the challenge is in this day and age where, day and age where everything is living, the cycles are living out in front of everybody with these instant updates in social media or you know news and the weather person being on it at the top of the hour, at the bottom of the hour, whatever it might be, but they're kind of having to constantly evolve and change this information or update it. Whereas in the old days, these forecasts came out at very set times and nothing changed in between. That's not to say things weren't happening behind the scenes, but the external communication of that information didn't seem to 
I guess, be complicated by, I hate to use the word complicated again, no, I don't, that's what the whole thing's about, right? It's complicated, it's all complicated. All this was complicated by the evolution of bits and pieces of information that in their total absorption by the meteorologist or whoever was analyzing that, if they really had time to absorb it and think about it and process it, and spit out a forecast, it might look very differently than when they get it on the fly and they're trying to pass that information along in a timely manner. And yes, part of that is because if they don't do it, a competing source is going to do it. So we we have this complication that's added by, again, this kind of 24-hour news cycle. And interestingly enough, meteorology is one of the few things that I really do consider 24-7 by 365. Weather is always happening. Now, that's not to say the world, when, when we go to bed, most people go to bed at night, the world just shuts down. But generally speaking, you do see that there still is kind of a primary cycle of when information is shared based on when the vast majority of people are going about what would be considered a normal work day. And we live in this world where that's not always the case. But you're not going to see a big breaking U.S. story, you know, short of a, a, of a war or something like that, at 2 a.m., generally speaking. You know, thing, things have quieted down. However, the, you know, people have gone to bed or most people are off the streets, but weather is still evolving and changing. So weather is complicated because it's always doing its thing. Weather never stops. Right? The earth never stops rotating, the, the sun always rises, all these things. And so that component and the models running behind the scenes can lead to this. It's still complicated. All these things add into how difficult it is to parse down the relevant pieces of information for one individual who has one specific thing in mind and is going to judge you based on the one time that they really need to know if it's going to rain, which might be one day out of 100 in a given year. And yes, that's why it all gets so complicated. But I'll also tell you that I think probably the thing that makes it more complicated than anything else, more complicated than all the other things that we look at, is meteorologists are telling the future. Now, I realize that meteorologists aren't the only ones telling the future. But they're one of the few that every day get out there and pump out some version of what the future is going to look like. Now, there, like I said, there are exceptions to this. There are people that prognosticate on different things, political elections, since that's been a hot topic this year, or you know, even financial markets, right? What, what is this? What's the market going to do? What's the an individual company stock going to do? But I will tell you, that most of the people that do that, not all of them, but that most of the people that do that aren't putting that information out there and update on a specific company every single day. They may have a broad market swath that they do, but but even in many cases, that's not done every day because we get back to this 24 cycle. A lot of times, these markets aren't open 24 hours, right? Or even they're closed on a weekend or whatever it might be. So I would I would speculate, and I'm sure somebody will let me know if I'm wrong if I haven't thought this through, but in terms of telling the future, telling the future, that's what meteorologists generally do. 
day in, day out. They're telling the future. Sometimes it might just be 24 hours. Sometimes it might be seven days. Sometimes it might be longer. But they're generally doing this same process every single day and multiple times a day. And so telling the future and its uncertainties and trying to quantify that uncertainty, and I think that's maybe sometimes a good way to capture why, why there is uncertainty in a weather forecast. Yes, there's these things you've heard me talk about, about the data going in and the complexity of the models and the resolution and all these other things. But end of day, we're still looking at the future. And so if you look at most people that tell you about the future, very few of them narrow it down to a specific number. And quite often, if you hold them to that, they might be wrong. But most people are a little gray <laughs> in what they're communicating for the future. But just keep in mind that more than all these other things that I've mentioned that complicated it, you know, whether it's the audience, the science itself, the history of the communication, you know, the individual meteorologist trying to balance all these different things in their cycle. I think the biggest thing is that we're looking to the future and trying to provide as accurate as, a, as possible of a picture of what that future is going to look like. So, yeah, meteorologists are complicated, but really the topic can be kind of complicated. So when I meet people that, you know, just need a number, there are sources you can go to to just get a number. And as long as you're not too worried if the number's a little off, that see, that uncomplicates things. So we're all in this together. So just remember, you're complicated, I'm complicated. Yes, that weather forecast can get a little complicated. Not always. And that's the funny thing. A vast majority of forecasted many locations around the globe aren't forecasted to be complicated or aren't complicated day in, day out. Yeah, they may not be, you know, the high may be 20C and it may end up being 21, but for most people that's not going to matter, right? And and that little mar margin of error doesn't really matter. But we tend to ask these questions when we've had an event that is important to us, <laughs> that we just want things to be simple. And what I can tell you is sometimes the weather will you know, cooperate and be simple, but sometimes it's going to be one of the complication factors. So, yes, we're complicated, but please forgive us our complications. All right, so, you know, you heard me mention earlier that we just got done with Groundhog's Day, Candlemas Day, other parts of the world. And I'm always intrigued. It, one of my favorite movies, if you've never watched it, you really should. I, I heard they're going to have a musical that's coming out based on the movie, which for those that if you've never watched Groundhog Day, the fundamental premise is the day keeps occurring again and again and again. But you really should watch it. I don't, I don't want to do any spoilers, even though the movie's been out, what's a 20, 20 plus years. So it's not, it's not a new movie, but enjoy it. Go enjoy that. I think what I found was interesting was how many groundhogs that prognosticate whether winter's going to uh, continue or end soon. Now, in all cases, and this is one of those things I never really, I still don't understand. One is, are those groundhogs issuing a localized forecast? I know I'm making this complicated, aren't I? Or are they tr doing something more regional or countrywide? Because here in the U.S., how, how many groundhogs do we really need? Do you need it one in every city? Do you need, you know, can he, can he do a statewide forecast? Because there are multiple groundhogs out here giving this forecast. 
And I will say that if we're trusting rodents with what the weather's going to be six weeks down the road, then my life just got simpler because I don't need all these complicated forecasts. Any case, go go do some Googling on Groundhog Day and you'll see the history. I It was interesting. I, I, do, I do think it's born more from other locations, you know, that this is something that uh, as people came to the U.S. from Europe, they brought with them. I think it's born out of some Candlemas Day traditions. And keep in mind that, you know, with Candlemas Day, we're theoretically talking that we're kind of right in the middle of, of winter. And the concept being is, is winter going to end normally or is it going to continue to linger on? So Groundhog Day, Candlemas Day, I, I guess it is more interesting if you have a rodent to tell you the future as opposed to just uh, some simple farmer's almanac type responses. Okay, so coming in the month ahead, wow, we've got a new, we're almost in a new month. have some, some new topics that we'll be going. I did want to give kind of a, a precursor. We're going to have in March, it's kind of severe weather time starts kicking in here in the U.S. And a group of different weather podcast folks are going to get together and kind of do a national awareness of you know some of the different podcasts that are out there. As you know, I, I tend not to focus so much on the weather itself. And there are other people that kind of bridge that, you know, social topics related to weather. And then there's others that get very focused on talking about the weather. But I'll, I'll, I'll provide some more information as we get closer that we're going to kind of be doing some, I don't, I don't know. May, I may have some of my first people on doing interviews. Um, I've been putting that off. I, I, I mean to do it, but, you know, it adds an extra layer of complication that I, I just haven't had the time to, to work into the process yet, although I think it would be interesting for you, the audience, and we'll see if we can do that. But keep an ear out. Keep an eye on social media. You'll see me share some things and hear me talk about it in the podcast in the month ahead. So time to wrap up here. Let's see, where should we start? How to get hold. You can get hold of me in the podcast at, via email, simple way, of course. What is it about the weather at gmail.com? You can certainly get us at the website, what is it about the weather.com? And all this other information is there. It has some links on ways to, to contact. There's a form there if you prefer that versus sending a straight up email. There's also the ability to find information about following us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, or the YouTube channel. I know some people know that I've, I've been putting the older episodes um, on YouTube, those of you that are already subscribed. But what you may not know is for those that aren't currently subscribed to the YouTube channel, there are other pieces there that that's kind of the only place to get it just because, as I mentioned before, it's easier from a video platform standpoint. So some shorts that I do, sometimes that's weather events, sometimes it's weather topics, uh, some... Other things related to the cloud series is there on the YouTube channel. So check it out. So just, you know, go to the website, click on the YouTube link. It'll take you there. Consider subscribing to that channel as well if you like that sort of thing. And I think, you know, we've got six or seven episodes now in the cloud series. And that's something that comes out every two to three weeks. Just depends on how the time hits. But some just some short videos, one-minute little blurbs. So you can find that there as well. And, of course, the last component, supporting. And I just want to give a quick shout-out to Jackie, who's a new supporter on Patreon. Appreciate that. But you remember the, sim, the system, right? RSVP, Rate, Share, Validate, and Pledge. I'm not going to go through all the details. It's probably fairly obvious. 
what each one of those means. And if it's not, go to the website, check it out, and learn some more. Again, however you're supporting the website for those that do, it is greatly appreciated. So until next time, may you have enjoyable, but more importantly, intertwined weather. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather. This is a two-word super production.